This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chiniki. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Welcome to the Dave Leary Show. Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by Freedom's Path Recovery Society in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Thank you for tuning in. Please remember that these opinions that are shared are those of the individuals and not of any agency, organization, or other entity, unless otherwise specified. Also, if you're a minor, please check with your parent and or guardian as you need to have permission to listen to these podcasts. We will potentially talk about violent subject matter, sexual content, and difficulties human beings face on their day-to-day lives in recovery. Welcome to Voices in Recovery Podcast. We are at Positive Match. Right? That's how I say it? Yes. With Lindsay and Megan. And I am just going to pass it right over to you ladies because you are the experts here. But we're here because obviously dogs, cats, animals need to be adopted because there's lots that are, are needing that, needing a forever home. And um, also how that ties into recovery is because lots of people in recovery, like myself, for example, um, pets change our lives, right? Like they literally... Um, I had no idea, for example, that my cat would change my life when I got my cat because I was never a cat person. And some of my friends even said, like, why did you get a cat? And I'm like, because I'm not a cat person. <laughs> and I saw my cat. He was a little kitten. And I, I mean, I got him off of Kijiji, I think, but he was probably six weeks old, so not old enough to yeah. be given away. Um, and I didn't know anything about it. I just knew he was like my cat. So once they showed up and gave me the cat, I, I kept him and he changed my life. So. If, it's, if you don't mind just telling your stories associated with all the stuff that you shared probably in the walk around that you gave us a tour. And so now you just get to say it over again. But it's important stuff. So Thank you. welcome. Yeah, we're happy to have you guys here. So uh, I can tell you a little bit about how I got started. Sure. So I had a dog growing up. I had her for 18 years. <laughs> and so I literally spent my entire childhood with her. I got her... Uh, <sighs> for my seventh birthday. Wow. So I had her a really, really long time. And then uh, when she passed away from old age, it obviously broke my heart. And, and then I was in university and I was looking for something to fill that gap. Cause like you said, they just bring so much mm-hmm. to your life. And, and I just, my life didn't feel quite complete without her. I, I started looking and I came across Positive Match and I contacted them about volunteering mm-hmm. and they got back to me right away and they're very welcoming and inviting and so I started doing a shift at the shelter. This was two shelters ago, we've okay. moved twice since then. We used to be in the back of a vet clinic and wow. it was a very small space. and. I started uh, volunteering on Sunday noons, and that's actually where I met Megan. Oh, okay. Megan started doing uh, shifts there as well, and you know, we just kind of started doing a regular shift together, and it was just to you know fulfill that need of having animals mm-hmm. in my life mm-hmm. because I find you know when you come to the shelter, whatever's going on <laughs> in your life, you can just kind of forget about it, mm-hmm. and you can come and you can you know. Put your energy towards that yeah. and it it's just very healing i find and you know you, you get to, to cuddle cuddle <laughs> with you know a dog and they give yeah. you kisses and you take them for a walk and and it's it was just a really great way for me to give back but mm-hmm. also to receive right yeah. to receive love and and so i started doing that and then they were looking for someone to help with coordinating at the Mm -hmm. shelter so I volunteered so I did that for a couple years just helping book volunteers to come in on shifts and then we moved facilities and then I was still helping co-coordinate and then we needed to expand the team Mm -hmm. I asked Megan to join 
the coordinator team at that point. Uh, and there was, you know, quite a bit of reshuffling at that point within the rescue in terms of coordinators and our board of directors. And, and it took us a while to kind of find our group as to, you know, what was going to work in terms of how many coordinators, what we needed. We were growing in terms of number of volunteers as well as number of animals. So uh, we needed, you know, to do some expanding. And then the person who was in the director role for the shelter at that point stepped down and I put forth my interest. And so about almost three years ago, I joined the board of directors as the director of Almost Home, which was our shelter. And then about four months into that, I was nominated to be president and got voted in as president. And so I've been doing that for oh, cool. just under three years. And so when I moved into that role, I asked Megan if she'd be interested in moving into the mm -hmm. director role. So that's how I ended up where I am at. I am at. And as you can see, I've kind of dragged Megan <laughs> along with me. So uh, yeah, that's how I got started with Positive Match. That is so cool. Yeah, and I think I got started the way that I think a lot of our volunteer base starts now in post-secondary school and honestly just wanting something to add to the resume. Yeah. And, you know, you look for a volunteer opportunity. And one of the things that drew me to Positive Match over some of the other rescues is that they were 100% volunteer run. Mm -hmm. And that just opened up so many different aspects within the rescue that I could volunteer with. I did start with uh, at the shelter, as Lindsay mentioned. And I also worked with the transport team, taking animals to and from their vet appointments, picking up donated supplies and dropping them off, and just really fell in love with it and ended up sticking with my one Sunday noon shift every week. And I think kind of like Lindsay was saying, there was definitely days where Sunday 11 a.m. would roll around and I'd have no desire to get off the couch and come in. But every single time I come in, I never leave here unhappy. Mm -hmm. Even if you have a tough shift and there's a difficult dog or a difficult mm -hmm. cat you're dealing with, you always leave happy just because you've been interacting with animals. Yeah. And that's just really been the point that has kind of kept me coming back every single week and kept me wanting to kind of advance within the organization and what more I can do and what more I can add to them. Totally. Wow. Yeah, right I on. second that yeah. as well. I really believe in what we do. And so, yeah, when... There are those really hard days, especially, you know, being on the board, there's even harder days sometimes. I just so strongly believe in what we do and that's mm -hmm. what keeps me coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I think it's incredible what you folks do. Like this is amazing. And we got to take a tour before we sat down and chat and I mean Darcy's probably going to try to take a dog home. I'm, I'm thinking about a couple of cats. Yeah. Like We went into the cat rooms and I mean, we'll, we'll have pictures of that for the, for the episode, but I mean, it's, this is incredible. Like this isn't, this is what animals need is that compassion, right? And because they give it back so readily, like how long did it take for the cats to roll on their backs and give us their belly, right? Like yeah. when we walked yeah. in there, like it's amazing. And to add to that, you know, it's, we don't always, have animals that are that friendly mm -hmm. and that relaxed in a shelter environment sometimes we bring animals in you know we've worked with some cats who are just absolutely terrified mm -hmm. and we had a few well we have a few in our care right now but they used to be at the shelter and they would just hide in their little cubbies and anytime volunteers even tried to you know feed them change their litter tidy up their kennels they were hissing and squatting and, and yeah. deep growling at them. And it's a true testament to how amazing our volunteers are because they were so patient with those cats and just didn't force them, just met them where they were mm -hmm. at, showed them love and compassion. And eventually those cats started to come around to the point where they would accept maybe a treat from the hand yeah. or, you know, maybe a tiny little, you know, bump on the hand with, mm -hmm. with their head, you know, no petting, but we mm -hmm. just meet them where they're at. And they got them to the point with that patience and love that they were able to go into a foster home. Wow. And now they're in a foster home and that's continued. And their fosters have been so wonderful with them, <laughs> just letting them kind of come to it on their own mm -hmm. terms. And now they're out and about, they're interacting with the foster, they're exploring their environment, mm -hmm. they're interacting with the other cats. So 
you know, our volunteers also just put in so much love and care into mm-hmm. these animals. And it's, it's, I, I feel like a bit of a, a proud mama bear yeah. when I see that. And I know yeah. Megan does too, right? Because we couldn't do what we do without our volunteers yes. and, and they just put so much into our animals. You can tell, you can tell like the, and I mean, I'm not an expert at it by any stretch, but you can tell there's a feeling, a sense of love here, right? Like, yeah. and well, yeah. And I, I'm, Maybe today I'm just noticing it more than I normally would have. I don't know. But walking through here just feels like very loving, no, good. you know, and that's part of why from a recovery standpoint, I wanted to come here was because a lot of us who sober up and um, maybe stay in recovery or don't stay in recovery, a lot of our difficulties is disconnection, mm-hmm. right? And one of the things I didn't know about animals and I know I should have known this, I'm old, but I didn't know up until a few years ago when I got Floyd just how much it changes how we love, right? Like, um, and, and for me, in the beginning, it was, it was recognizing that I love this little dude, even though he shreds my arms, right? <laughs> he bites me hard. But it was the only time in my life where I tolerated some entity doing that yeah. to me. And it, was, it, cha- it has changed me. It's been a slow change for sure, because I'm pretty slow. But that if anything can do it, it's an animal, right? And... Like I said earlier, I, I'm not, I wasn't a cat person, but now I am a cat person. Like I want to go in there and do like that Simpsons cat lady on those cats and put them in like a nice sack and take them out, <laughs> right? Like, and keep them all because I mean, there's, if you have one, and this is what my partner and I say all the time, well, if we had one more cat, what would then happen? I'd say we'd, have, we'd get another cat <laughs> because once you get it, she has one and I have one. But I said, once you start adding cats, there's no stopping it. I could, where does it end? Exactly. Yeah. Right? And it's like tattoos. I said, once I got I one, yeah, it's 100% yeah. the truth. It, it's like I didn't think that I could love like that, though. And that is an extraordinary thing that, that you folks, the volunteers, everyone involved provides for people. That is pretty awesome. You know? Yeah, so, if, yeah, like, um, so can you tell us about some of the programs that go on for the pets here? Because you did take us through that on the tour. But I know there's probably people out there that would be interested in all that happens in here. Megan's getting the nod. <laughs> I am, and I'm kind of not put on the spot, but... Yeah, well, we met those dogs when we first came in, the, the ones that were looking at the door there. Yes. And so those dogs are residents here. Yes. Okay. And so we do also have a program that is called our SNAP program, which mm-hmm. is the Spay and Neuter Assistance Program. And we started it a few years ago, and the goal of it is to help owners who can't afford to spay and neuter their pets, but want to be part of that responsible pet ownership. And so we've developed a really strong community relationship with one of our uh, community reserves, and we have owners on there who are now so into the program that there's a wait list, and we'll go and pick up their animals cats and dogs and bring them in, spay and neuter them, microchip them, give them vaccines. They'll stay here and recover for a week or two and then Mm -hmm. we bring them back to their owners. And it's just been a really good way for us to give back to the community in the best way that we possibly can that's also helping the animal population. Okay, cool. I love that. When you were showing us those those pooches, well, the one made eye contact with me and I'm pretty sure he wants me to take him home. But (laughs) Thank you for telling me they had owners already or else I might have tried to jimmy the cage. <laughs> um, but that's incredible because it like what's the cost associated to spaying and neutering? Because I know that a lot of people don't. Um, this is more of a practical question, right? It's more of the a lot of people don't engage with the pets because of how much that's cost and how much that kind of stuff costs. Is there so having knowing that program is there for spayed and neutered? Are there other programs available for, say, people who might want to adopt a dog or cat or whatever else you might have, a crocodile or whatever's back there, <laughs> um, for them to get some sort of help down the road with medical stuff. Is there anything like that? We don't personally have a program yeah. like that, but there are a couple agencies in the city yeah. who will help with that. They are specifically designed mm-hmm. to help with the cost share of that. Okay. Uh, a couple of those agencies, they don't, 
necessarily have animals or have a shelter, okay. but they fundraise in order to be able to help families. Great. And they do, I believe they have a sort of income form that yeah. people have to fill out. Mm -hmm. uh, but we personally don't have that. We do have that with our rural community partner, yeah. Yeah. Uh, where if an animal comes in and, or they contact our community outreach coordinator, mm -hmm. Danielle, They'll say, you know, we see a lot of dogs out there that get quilled, mm. you know, because they're interacting yep. with porcupines and they think they're friends and, and then they get a good smack to the yeah. face. And, you know, we want to help those dogs mm. because they can turn the corner really quickly. You know, mm -hmm. those quilts can get embedded and mm -hmm. infected and the animals can't eat. So uh, we will help the owners with that and we okay. will do a cost share yep. with them on that. Uh, we don't have that program, though, for people within the city. Limits. Yeah, for the yeah. general people. I got that's you. That's right. So yeah. that's for a specialized program. That's yeah. right. That's, okay. that's a partnership we've set up with that community. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, because it is expensive. There's cost involved. And I mean, that's the one thing. It's, it's fine because I always think of love first. So I'm like, well, it's loving. It's all. And then it's like, mm, yeah, but the practicality of it, right? Yes. The, the practicality for people who might not be able to afford it. But it's something to work towards, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like I think if people work towards like cars and houses and all that stuff, work towards a pet. Like I, I can't, I've, I mean, I'm sure all four of us in this room have had bought and stuff or earned stuff and that stuff is fine. There's nothing wrong with the stuff, but have we earned stuff like a pet, yeah. right? Like have, I mean, I know I didn't until I had to get one and start to figure out, um, wow, and just let go right because i didn't want to be loved like that like that's just so hard right when um anyway i'm just babbling now so which i do a lot that's okay yeah i just think this is incredible and like when we walked in i just started bursting with joy right because of the animals i mean there's nothing there's nothing better than that i don't think yeah um so do you have any tips for people like well i think just kind of going off what you're saying you know, when people are working towards owning and being able to afford a pet, one of the biggest things that they can do is fostering. Mm -hmm. And, you know, fostering, they still get to experience the love and the joy yeah. and that responsibility that comes with a pet without having to pay for it. Because with our organization, we provide everything for the fosters. So all of your supplies will pay for all of the vet and you just have to show the animals the love and, you know, maybe some basic training while they're in your home. So that's one of the best ways that I think people can, you know, first of all, get an idea if they yeah. can manage a pet with their life and if they yeah. have the time for it and the space. And um, it's just such a great way to introduce yourself to pet ownership mm -hmm. and to be able to help out so many animals in the process. Yeah, totally. I yeah. love that. I'm, thank you for mentioning yeah. that because I, I forgot about the fostering mm -hmm. aspect because there's the adoption, yeah. but the fostering, that sounds incredible. Darcy, I think you might have a dog by the time we're done today. We're going to negotiate with Darcy and... See if he wants to get a dog. Yeah, and it's such a big part of the organization because, you know, the shelter is kind of the starting point and mm -hmm. animals stay here. But if we don't have foster homes to take these animals, mm -hmm. then we can't bring in any new animals. We yeah. can't save any more lives because our space here is taken up by that. So it's really one of the biggest parts of rescue is mm -hmm. having foster homes that can take these animals and, yeah. you know, get all their vetting done, show them love and... Mm -hmm kind of get them on their way, prepare them for adoption. Right on. And so what's the criteria to be in a foster family or parent? So there's an application that they fill out. Okay. Uh, and it's... And it's on the website? I'm Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And the we don't really have any specific criteria, okay. uh, except, I guess, if you rent, you have to fill out the landlord approval right. form. Yeah. So you don't want getting evicted. Yeah, fair but, enough. Uh, otherwise, we're just looking to see, you know, what kind of home you're able to provide. Mm. And we like to match the animal with the correct home. So, yeah. you know, if you if you want to, you know, foster our big girl Zena here, but you only have a four-foot fence, yeah. that's not going to work, right? Okay. You know, because, you know, she's a big bull mastiff cross, yeah. right? Uh, She's so, beautiful. You know, yeah, maybe we'll set you up, you know, with a, a, a smaller dog, gotcha. you know, a, a little chihuahua or something mm -hmm. like that. 
uh, and you know making sure that everyone in the family is on board you know husbands wives kids grandparents yeah. whoever lives in the home yeah. um, because it really has to involve the whole family mm-hmm. so we want to make sure everyone uh, is involved and then um, it's mostly just education on our part in yeah. terms of the fostering uh, interview because we only do positive reinforcement training yeah. you know so we want to make sure that fosters understand what that means mm-hmm. and how to implement that in yeah. the home uh, and really that's about it in terms of you know requirements yeah mm-hmm. you know if you have the time and the love and you know you're willing to bring an animal into your home and accept the changes mm-hmm. inevitably that will come with that good and bad yep you know, you got to be on a routine, you got to be home, mm-hmm. you know, to let the dog out, you know, you can't, you know, leave, you know, the laundry out anymore, mm-hmm. you know, you can't leave yeah. the loaf of bread on the counter, you know, like just yeah. those small changes. Yeah. Uh, but the good that comes with it too, mm-hmm. you know, the love, the, oh. you know, we, we end up getting, we call them foster fails, but really yeah. they're foster wins, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, when people say, I can't possibly part with this animal, but... Like Megan said, it's a way to say, does an animal fit with our family, Mm -hmm. fit with our lifestyle? You know, what is my work schedule? What is, you know, my my kids' schedules? Mm -hmm. And can we make that work? And often it's, yes, we can. And sometimes it's, no, we can't. But we can foster. Yeah. You know, and and people get a lot from that, right? Mm -hmm. And they say, you know... It's really hard to let that animal go to a home, but that means I open up my home to another animal. And there's a trickle down effect to that because they open up a home and then that removes an animal from our shelter. And then that opens up a space here, which brings an animal in, you know, from what we have lots of different partners that we bring it in from. Mm-hmm. And then it opens up a space for them. Mm-hmm. So it really, it's, you know, you could save five or six lives by wow. having the animal adopted from your foster home because there's that trickle-down yeah. effect. So people see that, and that drives them to continue mm-hmm. to do it. So, sorry, I kind of got off No, there, No, that's perfect. Yeah, there's no real requirement. Yeah. It's just, like I said, more of an education piece on our part that, you know, these are our policies, mm-hmm. and this is how, how we like, you know, to do things in terms of positive reinforcement. Yeah. And if you're willing to do that, like Megan said, you know, we provide – all the vet care, all the food, all the supplies, all the medications. You, you know, your family needs to provide the the structure of, you know, learning how to live in a home mm-hmm. and the love. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, okay, anyone out there is going to hear this. Think about it fostering cuz I'm going to talk I'm going to try to talk my partner into it tonight. <laughs> she's going to she's going to be so upset. We'll yeah. Seriously, yeah. you might get it by tomorrow <laughs> cuz I'm sitting here. Yeah. Right? I'm go I'm sitting here going I could give it love. <laughs> so if you're out there and you're not sure, so, and in the recovery community, sometimes we tell new people who are newly sober, we'll say things like, maybe in a year, get a plant. And then in another year, get it, try to get a pet, yeah. right? Before you go to try to get a person. Because first of all, we always come sober up and we want to get a person because that makes us feel the best. But a plant is nice. You get to learn how to, how to love it and care for it. And that plants can actually be loved, right? And, I would not have known that had I never got a cat, by the way. I would never have looked into the uh, value of plants and, and those kinds of things in our lives. But it's incredible to foster. Do either of you foster? Have you fostered and then stopped? or? I, I have fostered two animals, a cat and a dog, mm-hmm. and I ended up adopting both of them. Oh. <laughs> so I have fostered, yeah. but now this is where we're at. So. But that's a that's a true like love story. Yeah. You fostered and said, I need these yeah. these folks. So yeah. what kind of dog is it? She's possibly a lab golden retriever mix. Mm-hmm. Oh, so she's beautiful then. She is. Yeah. She's stunning. She's a year old now. Oh. And yeah, it's just you just can't imagine your life without them once yeah. in your life. Yeah. So and it's been it's been really good, I think, especially during this COVID pandemic, mm-hmm. since I've been working from home for almost eight months now. Yeah. And they just give you a sense of responsibility too, right? You're so used to going to work, having a schedule, having a routine. And it's so easy to fall off of that when you're at home. So having a pet, you know, you're like, it's noon, Mm -hmm. I have my break, I'm gonna go out for a walk. You know, and it just, 
it really they add so much more than just their love they really mm-hmm. kind of help structure your day and give you a purpose and something yeah. to do yeah and to help you get out of bed right like exactly and that's impl- that's an interesting fact about the pandemic right that i can i can only imagine people with pets probably did far better than people without yeah in terms of mental health and stability and stuff like that yeah, we actually saw an insane spike in foster applications and yeah. adoption applications yeah. I bet. Uh, around the pandemic and it, it was to the point with foster applications where we didn't have enough animals for the foster homes that we had wow. which is you know the opposite of what our problem usually is yeah so, like i was know, gonna say has it ever happened no before? we were approving fosters and saying i'm sorry we don't have animals and so we have a a foster list that goes out and people can say oh you know yeah i i really like clifford i'd like to mm-hmm. take him i really you know like moons all sounds all like a good match yeah. yeah yeah but and you know people like to see the picture of the animal mm-hmm. read a little bit about them but we were having fosters say oh you have a new dog coming in i'll take it you know without even knowing anything about the picture not you know because they were just saying we're ready yeah we want to do this our family's ready so that was interesting and then on the adoption side same thing we had at one point i think we had a wait list of about just under 60 people for puppies yeah wanting to adopt a puppy wow so we changed our questions a little Mm -hmm. bit you know uh because we wanted to make sure that there also wouldn't be an influx of returns yeah you know because we really wanted to say okay sure you want to bring this dog in you're working from home this is great but what's going to happen when you go back to work kids go back to school life goes back to normal Mm -hmm. now you have to incorporate this animal into your routine and it's very different than being at home so our adoptions team really you know changed their questioning and focused on that and you know they they did a fabulous job we were processing so many applications wow. per day but you know like megan said and, and i you know like you said david it's people realize how much mm-hmm. it can contribute to their lives and they you know i think during the pandemic people a were at home and had the time and maybe had thought about getting an animal mm-hmm. but didn't think they had the time and then they were at home and life was stressful yeah and they thought you know i need to channel my love into something and I need some positivity coming Mm -hmm. back to me right Mm -hmm. and that's you know what an animal could bring so it was pretty wild there for a while yeah you know and uh I'm part of the Alberta Rescue Network okay and rescues all over Alberta were saying hey does anyone have animals (laughs) you know because I have you know this these foster homes and these apps and everyone's saying I don't have any because everyone was fostering and adopting and so it was a very strange time for Mm -hmm. a couple months there i bet it was yeah yeah and you know like Lindsay was saying we just really had to change our interview questions and our processes to really make sure that everyone was thinking long term and you know the rest of our process didn't change we didn't just because somebody liked the look of this puppy Mm -hmm. or whatnot we didn't just give it to them just because they were there we really kind of buckled down and went through everything with them and asked all the tough questions and you know it did weed out a lot of people who kind of realized like this is more than i thought and i I think that's a really good thing that's excellent Mm -hmm. yeah that's excellent that's why i'm really glad you're talking about it and really that's what got me thinking about um, doing this, coming here and putting it on on the podcast is because during the, co- the the lockdown, I realized how much I missed dogs, right? When in the first couple months, people weren't letting you touch their dogs, right? Yeah. They were keeping their dogs away. And then, and then when whatever happened that changed, people were like, okay, I guess now it's okay. As soon as they started letting me, us, letting me, because I don't have a dog. So <laughs> as soon as I started touching dogs again out in public, that sounds really weird. <laughs> Heading dogs and hugging dogs in public. Um, I have to be careful because some of the people that listen to me, they're weird like that. So, um, but I would, I was like, they were literally, these dogs were starved as well, right? Like there was like this, in public, this dog just puts his arms on my shoulders and just like gets in there. And I'm like, they miss us too, yeah. right? Like they really miss us. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to talk my partner into fostering. I have to. There's yeah, no question. Absolutely. And I yeah. think, you know, like because our organization is 100% volunteer run, yeah. you know, if you're not in a position to adopt because you can't afford it, you yeah. foster. And if you're not in a position to foster because, you know, you just don't have the time to mm-hmm. have an animal in your home full time, you come and volunteer at the shelter, you know, a couple hours a month and you I walk dogs. It. And if you can't even commit to that, maybe you just do the transport team and you take a dog to the, their vet appointment once a month. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just so many different ways that people can involve animals in their life. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this financial and huge commitment that yeah. people seem to always think it is. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for pointing that out about the volunteering, because I definitely wanted to, to turn it back to that because you guys are 100 percent volunteer. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, do you have paid positions now, like in the agency? Nothing. Hey? Nothing. Oh, good for you. Good for you. This yeah. is amazing. Um, if you can if you can do that, because we're a charity as well and we are almost 100% volunteer as well. Like I, I get paid, which is really weird, right? <laughs> um, thankfully now we're able to get Darcy some money as well because he works his ass off, right? Mm-hmm. But we, we're hoping to get into a place where we can pay people. But the, the truth is volunteers are always, always so needed, right? Like no matter where you are. Yeah. And on, honestly, people out there will probably love to come here and walk dogs. People that I know would love it. Like that would be... Um, if they can't foster or whatever. Yeah. Um, so in terms of fostering, and I'm going to ask about our mutual dog out there, Darcy's in mind, Zena, because when she looks at you, you, you just kind of get sucked in, right? Like she's, she's gorgeous and those eyes are amazing. Yeah. Like there's so much love there. So if a person had a two bedroom apartment and what was maybe thinking of fostering a dog like Zena, would that fit? Like being, if the person's able to walk every day and get the dog exercise and all that kind of stuff, would, would that be something that could be potentially gotten around? Yeah, yeah? It, it definitely depends on the dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if Zena is, you know, barks at every noise, mm-hmm. apartment living is not going to be great for her. Yeah. Your neighbors are going to hate you. Yep. Uh, yep. And, you know, you're your landlord's probably going to get at you pretty quickly. Um, but, you know, if, like, I, I have a 92-pound dog, and yeah. he doesn't bark. Yeah. So, you know, if he lived in a condo or an apartment, mm. it would be no problem. Yeah. Yeah, and so if you can take them, you know, out, that's that's no problem at all. Okay. But, yeah, it's really about finding that best yeah. fit. You could also, you know, have a little five-pound chihuahua yeah. in, a, you know, an apartment, and you think that's a good fit. But same thing, if they're barking yeah. at every little noise, that's not going to work either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point, right? Yeah. And I really like how in how knowledgeable you both are about those kinds of things that people like myself wouldn't even think about. I would not even think. I'd be like, why is this thing barking so much? Like, but maybe it's supposed to bark. That's just what it does, yeah. right? And, yeah, and some dogs, that's how they communicate. Yeah, yeah you know, my dog. He, he does this adorable kind of singing, you know, when you see him, it's like, ooh, you know, he likes that, but he never barks. Yeah. So. What kind of dog do you have? I have a rescue. He's an Irish wolfhound husky. Wow. Yeah. So he actually came from the Milk River yeah. uh, group. So mm. I don't know if either of you are familiar with that. No. You can look it up. Um, it was, it was about six years ago yeah now yeah and this lady was hoarding dogs and she had 201 dogs his size and bigger wow so a lot of dogs uh and so he he came from that group and mm-hmm. same thing i just i saw him you know it was probably like you and Troy. like yeah i saw yeah. him and i said to my husband i was volunteering at you know and I met him at the shelter and I said to my husband, I think I found our dog. <laughs> and my husband came to meet him, didn't even touch him, just looked at him down down the little corridor and, and Linus stuck his head around the yep. the cage and looked at my husband and my husband said, Yeah, that's our dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that's fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, he he it, it's all just about that match, right? Yeah. And it's also a match with personality. Yeah. You know, like, um, we have some dogs that are extremely high energy. Mm-hmm. They need a really active foster, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and then we have some dogs that are very low energy. And mm-hmm. it's not always dependent on size. Yeah, right? for sure. You know, my dog being, you know, uh, Irish wolfhound predominantly, 
he will run for about 20 minutes full tilt and then the rest of the day he sleeps yeah that's part of his breed yeah megan's dog macy is bananas 90 percent of the time <laughs> right so it's you know it's so we're not gonna you know play a dog yeah. like macy yeah. with you know someone who can't get out that often who maybe yeah. isn't that mobile or who isn't able to be active because mm-hmm. that's not fair to either of them it's not yeah. fair to the foster it's not fair to the dog yeah right uh, so. Well, I think it's so cool that you that you folks do that, that you pay attention to those things. Yeah. And because those nuances, like I said, those are nuances that uh, normal folks who don't work in the field would not know. Right. And it can be hard for yeah. people who volunteer because they really fall in love with the look of the dog. Yeah. Right. So they'll meet, you know, a dog like Gina. And yeah. Say, oh, my gosh. I want her. I want to foster her. Mm-hmm. And then they'll contact our foster team and say, I want Gina. And the foster team will get back to her and and say, okay, well, these are her needs, you know, and that doesn't really fit with mm. your home because we have yeah. a profile on each foster home, yeah, you know, and they'll say, oh, but, you know, I, I really, I really want her. I really like mm-hmm. how she looks. And so that's where, you know, we, we have to do the responsible thing and yeah. kind of say, I'm sorry, but it's just, it's not the right fit. Yeah. You know, and we have to do that with adoptions yeah. as well. Or I bet. else the animal gets returned and it's, mm-hmm. it's not fair to the animal and it's very hard on, on the adopter and the foster as well, yeah, right? For so, sure. Uh, yeah, it's, we are very in tune to that mm-hmm. and, you know, it, it can be hard for, I think, people to understand, like yeah. you said, because they just fall in love with the look of the dog, yeah. right? Or no. a cat. Yeah, and that makes sense because you see them and they see you and you, they, you just love the way they look. Yeah. And, yeah, and it makes sense because as you probably witnessed with Darcy and I, both of us were suckered in right away, right? Like, so yeah. there's no question that when people like myself and Darcy come into in here, we need help. <laughs> literally, what we want to do is open up a backpack, right? And yeah. we, it's not practical. It's not any of those things and probably less helpful for the animal, right? So thank you for doing that for people because we'd have a lot, probably more people doing it. Hi. No, it's okay. It's all good. There might have been some. There might have been some people looking for, for Lindsay anyway. I think at one point. Yeah. So you. So how long have you been the director of the shelter, or of the positive match? Uh, I think it's been. About two and a half years now. Yeah. It kind of, you know, when you're here every week, it just mm-hmm. kind of, they start to blend together all the yeah. days. But yeah, I've, I've been in the director position for just over two and a half years now. Okay. So. And it's, is this like the coolest thing you've ever done? It's so great. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I have such a great team of coordinators mm-hmm. that kind of do all the more day-to-day stuff to yeah. help me with that because there's so much going on that it's, it'd be so hard to do it all myself, but it's just like the team really makes it all work. Um, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I love it for sure. Right on. So Marianne, tell us, tell us about yourself. Tell us your, your connection here, what you do um, and why you got involved. And then of course what you're planning, because I understand by the brief introduction we had that you're in, you're doing, this is a part of some research that you might be doing as well. Right, but I'll back up a little bit because I got involved with Positive Match when I adopted a dog from here. And I adopted her because she was a very pretty face. However, in hindsight, that's not a good reason to adopt an animal. That's funny. We were just talking about that. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about what happened. Well, she was not well socialized Mm. and I had never had an animal before. And so consequently, I thought that if I'm going to help her, I need to actually educate myself. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I got involved with the rescue. And over the years, because that's like 2012, um, and over the years, um, it's it's been a wonderful organization. I've learned a lot about animal behavior and come in, come in contact with many, many wonderful volunteers mm-hmm. as well. And it's nice to have like-minded people that yeah. you can share. No doubt. With. You're the coordinator volunteer here, right? No. No. Okay. See, I, <laughs> I'm confused. Our expert new volunteer training coordinator. Okay, training coordinator. So she Thank you. She trains all of our new shelter volunteers okay. for us. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Thank and you. so I've been doing that for about three years, I think now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So it's great, again, you know, to see who's interested in mm-hmm. applying for a volunteer position mm-hmm. and then all the skills that they're bringing. Yeah. And, and since, um, well, with COVID, we did suspend training for a little while. And then in July, we started mm-hmm. uh, to resume training mm-hmm. again. Okay. And so it, it's been really interesting, though, to see the skill set of the volunteers that are coming on board. Is that like a good it's surprise? Great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. What's difference now between now and say before when maybe it was a little different? Well, you know, it's really kind of hard to quantify mm. that. I just think, though, and, and you know, this this is not a study. Or of course not. Like that. Nobody expects anything to come from something I do <laughs> as being 100% accurate. But I, I think, though, that what I'm seeing is a higher degree of dedication. Mm-hmm. Okay. And whether or not that's going to translate into people staying with mm-hmm. us over the long term, I think, you know, yeah. is, is yet to be determined. But that's just the impression that I'm getting, Mm -hmm. that the people that are signing up now really have thought it through as opposed to being kind of this, oh, I should be doing something because it looks good on my Mm -hmm. resume. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's a thing that I've noticed is that a higher level of commitment. So you've seen a transition from that like resume padding, which Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that, Mm -hmm. of course. Um, But yeah, you've seen a transition more from there into more of a dedicated volunteer force. Yeah, okay. and the other thing, too, that I've seen is that we have a large number of people that are working from home mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. And so uh, for them, it's something that they've always wanted to do, but perhaps, you know, circumstances just didn't lend themselves. Mm-hmm. And so now they feel, okay, I can make I can make the commitment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, excellent. And so, you, so uh, I think it was Lindsay who mentioned you are doing some research about yeah. Would you want to talk about that? Sure, sure. So uh, last year, I applied for funding from the federal government. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm a gerontologist by profession, and so that's oh. a study of aging. Thank you for telling. I was going to ask, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And so when we look at the demographics of who actually is applying mm-hmm. to become a volunteer, yeah. we see that people over the age of 55 are really a very small percentage of okay. the population. Yeah. So my question was, why is that? Mm-hmm. Why you know don't we have more people who are retired? Why are, are they not signing up for you know for the volunteer yeah. role? Yeah. And so that's what I'm investigating right now. Okay. Is why is that? And so this past week I have interviewed ten seniors who are mm-hmm. living in the community. Okay. And just based on the information that I've received thus far, it's really boils down to an educational component Mm -hmm. in that people are interested in volunteering with us but they haven't heard of us Mm -hmm. they've maybe never even considered (laughs) they probably you know maybe never even considered an animal rescue Mm -hmm. um for some people it's been a case of well it's going to be too physically demanding for Mm -hmm. me i won't be able to do it yeah Uh, for some people it has also been well I want to take every animal home. So there's that emotional <laughs> bonding that they're yeah. not sure that they can do. Would you with. be able to elaborate on what the physical requirements might be? What they might look like? Hi, sweetie. Yeah, and you know oh. what? Um, because we are 100% volunteer run, I think we have greater flexibility in our volunteer roles than some organizations where there are paid positions. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> and so with us, we are very accommodating mm-hmm. of volunteers and so we look at you know like their their skill set that they're bringing we will look at what they feel comfortable mm-hmm. doing and when we have our shift meetings at the start of shift we're always talking to our volunteers to find out what is it that you're comfortable doing mm-hmm. right yeah so the the volunteer positions are somewhat um, prescribed but they're also quite fluid mm-hmm. And so depending on skill set, comfort level, we will definitely accommodate the okay. individual. Excellent. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, it goes back to almost our application process, how we're yeah. always finding the perfect match for foster homes and which animal. We very much do the same thing when you're here at the, at the shelter. You're yeah. not, ex- everyone is not expected to do all the exact same things. Mm. We definitely okay. match our volunteers to what they're most comfortable with. Yeah. Because, you know, people are coming here because they want to have a good experience. Mm-hmm. They want to have fun. And so we don't want to put people in positions where they're not comfortable doing something. Yeah. And that's totally fine. We have tons of volunteers that just come in and handle cats mm-hmm. and tons of volunteers that just handle dogs. And 
yeah. you know, whatever people are comfortable with, we do the same thing. We match. Yeah. Make that positive match. Very, yeah. Well, I was just thinking that as, as you were talking, <laughs> both of you, you, you both led into positive match. And that's the name of this place. And it literally, listening to you all talk about it, it is very positive. Like the experience can be so positive. Um, and it, for those of you out there who don't, we don't have video, but there is a dog in the room. And of course, when there's a dog in the room, I am like not paying attention. We're all, the dog is just like takes everything, hey? Yeah. So, so you're, a, you're a PhD student or a PhD? I'm a PhD. Doing the research. Um, and what have you found like from so far from the, the research you've done with um, uh, the elderly people that you're working with? How, how has the uh, feedback been or whatever you've seen the result kind of thing? I don't know how to word that properly. But. Yeah, so um, for me, I've divided my questions into three categories. Mm -hmm. And so the one category is the volunteer experience in general. The second is how our relationship with companion animals has changed over the years. Yeah. And then the third is what people know about rescue organizations. Okay. All right. And so the volunteer experience um, in general, um, everyone that I volunteered, uh, mm -hmm. that I interviewed is volunteering. Oh, really? So okay. Everybody is involved in some capacity in volunteering. Um, the second area, um, our relationship with companion animals. Um, that has changed over the years, yeah. and for for some individuals, they talked about how um, you know, like as a child, animals were not in the house. Mm -hmm. As you know, as an owner of an animal, yeah, the animals on the bed, right? Yeah, pretty much dictates what we're having for supper. <laughs> so the relationship has definitely changed, and it is much more of um, a companion. Um, no, it's just a deeper yeah. kind of a relationship. Yeah. And then um, when I started investigating what people knew about rescues, that's where we really do need to do a better job of educating mm -hmm. the public about what we do. Yes. And several yeah. of the people talked about the emotional aspect of rescuing. Mm -hmm. And yes, there is an emotional aspect for sure. However, though, that um, our rescue in particular, um, we are say not taking in animals that have just been hit by a car yeah. for example and so the level of care that our animals are needing is not the same as perhaps some of the other rescues yeah um, however though um my philosophy is that the past is the past yeah and today is what matters and we are going to be building the beautiful future yeah for this animal yeah so that's the emotional side that i like to focus on mm -hmm. Well, and that's what interested me about coming down here to, to speak with you folks is because there is such a huge emotional component at any stage of life, I think, when you connect with an animal. Mm -hmm. have you, so have you noticed that like right away there's a feedback from when someone, whether they're elderly or not, who connects to an animal? Because I, do you guys do therapy dogs? No. No? Okay, so have you been worked in that field or noticed how just how it impacts the emotional level? Would you want to comment on that? I just kind of have personal experience with mm -hmm. it. I, um, my cousin has a son who's autistic. Okay. And they got him a dog through, you know, went through the whole process to have him as certified as to help him with his autism. Mm -hmm. And the difference it has made in him has been astronomical. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be the same for everyone. Of course not. But for him, like, he can go to school now. He's mm -hmm. fine to do that. And just things like that that are huge that he wasn't comfortable with before. Just having that dog. And even though the dog's not in the classroom with him, mm -hmm. it's been just such a change in yeah. how he lives his everyday life. Just having it as a companion animal yeah. that's at home with him. Yeah. And he's responsible for it. And, you yeah. know, it's just that side of having a therapy dog has been such a big change for them. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, you all have dogs, right? Um, and and has, has your relationships to your own animals like improved because of what you're, what you're around all day? Like, I mean, I obviously think it would improve, but um, I don't know for sure. I can tell you right now that because we all like animals, yeah. that our brain chemistry is different. The yeah. minute that Darlene walked in here, she started working the room. <laughs> <laughs> Did she ever? Like... Yeah, exactly. So yeah. our brain chemistry changed. 
Mm-hmm. And, and a change for the better. Yeah. And that's, I think, the really important thing about companion animals. And yeah. that came through in my research, too, is that just the love that, that they can generate within mm-hmm. us. And then we, in turn, you know, give that back to them. Yeah. And we, we can, in turn, give it to other people yeah, and other, exactly. other things as well. Hi, sweetie. <laughs> yeah, you and I think through volunteering, too. My just knowledge and education about animals has vastly increased. Yeah. Like, you know, there's so many things that you learn just from coming here and volunteering with them. You learn about different behaviors and how to manage them and, you know, different needs that dogs have that, you know, now I can apply that in my own home with my own dog. Like I'll pick up on some body language that I probably wouldn't have picked up on before that now I know how to manage Mm -hmm. that and different things like that. You just your education around animals increases greatly just by having them in your life. For sure, hey. And you had one for 18 years, you were saying, right? And so I wanted to get back to it. I'm surprised I even remembered that she (laughs) said it when when the beauty walked in the room here and the brain goes oxytocin overdrive, right? Like, oh, love. (laughs) Um, That that must have been really difficult, like to, to lose a pet and like I've had pets that we lost when we were kids and stuff like that, but actually growing up with one, um, what what is that like? Like, and I'm just asking this; you don't have to answer it. It's personal, but no, it was extremely hard. Uh, I I took it very very hard, and uh, our whole family did because mm. we had her for so long. She yeah. was she was our family, and for a long time after. Anytime I saw a dog that remotely looked like her, I would Mm -hmm. burst into tears uh, just instantly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes my husband would see them before I would, and he would say, hey, let's go this way, you know, and kind (laughs) of try to (laughs) redirect me. Uh, So I'm able to talk about her now, you know, without immediately Mm -hmm. crying. But yeah, it it was extremely, extremely hard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've also lost a couple dogs in the rescue that have been part of the rescue yeah and you know their their fosters have been amazing with regards to that mm-hmm. um i can't personally be there mm-hmm. when the you know the the dog is put to sleep yeah you know for the medical reasons um i i can't do that uh but their fosters have been there with them but I still think about them and, you yeah. know, I've cried to Megan about them mm-hmm. and it's, it's very hard. It, yeah. uh, it takes a big, uh, piece of you with them. Yeah. Um, I have a tattoo. Um, uh, my, my dog was for 18 years. Her name is Daisy. Daisy. And I have a Daisy tattoo to honor her and my current dog. I just, I'm in love with him and he's everything to me and he has literally saved my life mm. on more than one occasion. Yeah. See, I'll, now this is when I'll get upset, but that... I have a, a tattoo of him, his mm. paw prints on my thigh mm-hmm. here because I just always want them with me, Yeah, you know, because yeah. they have such a huge impact on yeah. our lives and yeah, it's, it's really unfair that mm-hmm. they can't live as long as we do. I know, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Thank you for, for talking about yeah. that. I can see, um, but I think I think it's important, right? Because all of the all of the time and effort that you folks put into connecting animals to to humans, like that's that's solid time. I think she's posing for the camera actually <laughs> there. I think she saw the camera come out and she's like, wait a minute, <laughs> it's not my best side. You don't have a bad side, darling. No. <laughs> um, actually um, brought up a really important um, um, topic here because as I've been talking to people, pet loss has come up repeatedly mm-hmm. and the emotional impact of yeah. that. And so the next round of funding that I'm going to be applying for, we're actually going to be exploring that mm-hmm. topic. Okay. And so we'll be looking at what is it about our community mm-hmm. that can support people who have lost a pet. Yeah. Um, for many people, even talking about it is, is difficult, mm-hmm. but they feel disenfranchised, that they can't really express how they're feeling because somehow a pet has less value than a human life. I was just going to th- I was going to ask you, is it because people like a lot of people don't value pets lives? 
right? Exactly. Yeah. I shouldn't say a lot. There are people. Yeah, that sort of ties into, you know, what I talked about before about our relationship with companion animals Mm -hmm. and how that relationship has been elevated. Um, So now, you know, they've assumed this important role in our society, but the way that we deal with grief or we deal with the emotion that someone has Mm -hmm. has kind of lagged behind. Yeah. So this is what I'll be exploring in my next uh, Oh, cool. That is very cool. Well, I, thank you guys. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap it up? Because I'm sure you have other stuff you need to do. Oh, Darlene, do you have something to add? Darlene, would you like to say something to everybody? <laughs> would you? Would you like to say? Oh, my goodness. Oh, You're just going to give kisses? Oh, what a lucky. She loves the gift. What a lucky boy I am today. Hey, what a lucky boy. Yeah, for everyone out there listening, I am kissing a dog. <laughs> I was I was kissing a dog. Um yeah, and I think I think it's just a nice reminder from from all of you. Thank you for your time, um, and thank you for the reminder that having a pet is is a big thing. It's not just something that we want to do without thinking about it. Um, but if you're out there and you can't and you, you're not sure you can foster or adopt, contact them to volunteer and help out some other way because obviously this is important, right? Yeah, and. and- you know, volunteering with a rescue is doesn't necessarily have to mean animal interaction. Mm-hmm. Since we are 100% volunteer run, like we're looking for people to help with our marketing and people to help with fundraising and mm-hmm. people to just go to the events and man our booths. And, you know, so like if you're, we do have a lot of volunteers that start at the shelter and yeah. part of the reason they're here is because they've never owned a pet and they're mm-hmm. kind of thinking about it, but they're kind of afraid mm-hmm. of animals. Yeah. So, you know, if you don't want to interact with animals, there's so many other ways that you can help a rescue and get that enrichment in your life without Mm -hmm. having to do that. Thank you. Thank you. And for those out there who are all they can hear when they think about animal rescue is Sarah McLaughlin. (laughs) I assure you, if you come here and you feel the love here, you'll know that this is not what that's about. (laughs) That is a terrible thing, but you don't have to be sad is my point. Mm -hmm. Because I know that for some people there, we're thinking, oh, if I go there, I'm going to be really sad. I want to take them all home. I, I think you mentioned that. Yeah. Um, but you, you can come and just, like, you can just feel the love. That's fine, right? I think that's pretty good. So anyway, um, thank you. Thank you all so much. Thank so you. what's the best way for people to get in contact with, with you folks here? Yeah. So everything is on our website. Okay. So uh, www.positivematch.org. Like, okay. Paws, P-A-W-S, and everything is there. All of information, if you are wondering about fostering, Mm -hmm. we have information there about what that looks like. We've got the application form. We've got uh, a frequently asked questions section about, you know, adoptions. Mm -hmm. There's our adoption application on there, and there's our volunteer application form on there as well. Okay. And it talks about the various areas that you can get involved in, like Megan Mm -hmm. talked about, whether it be directly hands-on with animals at the shelter or maybe you know you're you're not able to drive and so but you're really good at computer skills you know we need people to update our website we need people you know processing Mm -hmm. applications which can all be done from home yeah so you know we have a lot of moms you know who Mm -hmm. just had babies and they find that fits perfectly with them because they can do it from home they can do it at three in the morning you know when they're up with baby you know and and it's all from home so it's it there's lots of ways to get involved and everything's on the website there you can also follow us on facebook Mm -hmm. Uh, we post you know uh adoptable animals on there we post you know good information from some of our training partners and then of course we post cute pictures cool and so is it is it positive match on facebook too positive match rescue foundation okay positive match rescue foundation on facebook perfect any other social media we do Instagram as well. Okay. We have a Pinterest page. What's the Instagram page? Instagram is Positive Match Rescue. Positive Match Rescue. Okay. And yeah, that one, you know, you can definitely yeah. find the photos of the cute animals and Perfect. all our events and everything going on there. Awesome. And we'll, we'll tag you guys when this comes out. But what I'll do, I'll send you the episode once we have the link and, um, and then you can share it however you want. And so it comes out on Spotify. All the other, all the streaming things. Um, uh, oh my goodness, she's so beautiful. You are so sweet. And that little nose of hers, hey? No. Like she might. I hopefully she doesn't feel that pain anymore. And but. I saw that. I saw that Chinatown. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah Jack so Nicholson. Jack gets the rip of the nose. 
house? Yes, that's right. He gets his nostril cut. That's right. I forgot about that. Good memory. So yeah, that's that's good. Thank you so much for your time and for having us in. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. For oh, of course. Getting the word out and yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I said, the the pandemic reminded me a whole lot of why we need to be having relationships with other beings on this planet. And dogs and cats are the best. Yeah, and they teach you so much. Yeah. You know, I think they really just teach you how to be in the moment. Mm -hmm. And they really teach you, for me, it's taught me just how to be yourself. Mm -hmm. They are unabashedly who they are. Yeah. Good yeah. and bad. Yeah. And I think that we as humans can learn from that. Mm -hmm. Right? It's, yeah. You know, and we have to, like I said, we just have to meet them where we're at. And we have to do that with humans sometimes, mm -hmm. too. Everyone's on their own journey and their yeah. own path and has their own story. And dogs are just who they are. Yeah. And I think we can really learn from that. And they enjoy the simple things in life, you know, snuggling, mm -hmm. naps on the couch, you know, a little suntan outside on the deck. And I think we as humans in our busy lives can learn that mm -hmm. we can enjoy those things too. So I know. we learn a lot from them. Yeah. You said, you said it. That's for sure. Like, I mean, I didn't even know what it would be like to sit with my cat for hours right yeah. and he came at a time in my life I, I had broken my back too like and so I was in line for a bunch of surgeries he was always there mm -hmm. like he was just always there when I was in pain he would come closer like they just know kind of what so thank you so much um, I'm looking forward to filling out the application as a foster awesome. um, yeah totally mm -hmm. I should fill it out first before I tell my partner. So that's what I'll do. <laughs> that's right. I'll be it's like, already done. it's already done. Just so you know, we're going to be fosters. <laughs> I think that's a good anniversary gift for somebody, that's right? That's right. Yeah. I couldn't think of the present. So now we're going to be fosters. I love it. Thank you again. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you for tuning in this week to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Please stay tuned every Wednesday as we air another episode. Thank you for your time. And please, if you're in trouble, reach out. If you need to contact us at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or you can look for us on Facebook under Freedoms Path Recovery Society. Thank you again for tuning in. Please stay tuned for upcoming groups, activities, and podcasts.